Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for 10 with Tim. We are finishing up a good week in the Word. We started the book of Job. Gosh, did we just start Job on Monday? Uh, we did. And so now it's Friday. We are finishing up chapter 7 and 8 today. So we're making good time. Uh, I, I love the book of Job. I really, really do. Uh, to be honest with you, I was a little apprehensive about these middle chapters. Once you get past the you know, the narrative prologue, the, the part that you preach, you know, the early part, and then the end part, these speeches in the middle, I've, uh, to be honest, I've, I've frequently just skimmed, but, but I'm slowing down and I hope you are too, because there's, th- there's a lot here and I'm just enjoying this, this dialogue between Job and his, his no good comforters. Uh, so let's jump right in. Chapter seven, uh, we're still in the middle of Job's response to Eliphaz. Remember what Job just said, you know, it's just like, my goodness, you know, you, you know, you, you can't even be loyal, you know, to a friend who's down. You know, you're kicking a man while he's down. All I ever wanted was friendship, but you guys show up and just start accusing me, you know, and, and that's where you stop. You think I don't know the difference between right and wrong? Stop assuming I'm guilty, you know. And then he continues. Uh, Job just says some beautiful things here. Verse two, chapter seven, verse two. Job says. Man, aren't, aren't we all just like workers uh, who long for the shade? Uh, that makes it sound like you know you're looking to you know quit work and take a break. But no, the Hebrew there is we long for evening shadows, which is more a way of saying quitting time. You know, like I, we're all like people at work who are waiting for quitting time, but it never comes. You know what I mean? Like you ever work third shift? And it's four in the morning and you look at the clock and it's four in the morning. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, will this night never end? And then like, you know, you, 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 you spend time and time goes by and you look back at the clock and it's like 4.05 and you're thinking, no, you know, will, 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 the, will, the, will this shift ever end? And, and this is what Job says. You know, this is what human life is like from his perspective. It's just like working this shift that never, ever ends, like a servant waiting to be paid. You know, he says, man, I have been assigned months of futility, weary, weary nights of misery. Um, Verse 4, chapter 7. Lying in bed, I think, when will it be morning? But the night drags on and I toss until dawn. Oh my goodness, have you ever had that night? Uh, I'm not saying my suffering is anything ever close to Job's suffering, but at the same time, have you never had that night where it's just like, will morning never come? Have you ever spent a night in the hospital? Because hospital, hospital nights are the longest nights of your life. And they put that clock right at the end of the bed. So all you can do is lay awake and watch that clock and the hands never move, you know. And this is Job's life right now. This is what he's saying. I can't sleep. Uh, Chapter 7, verse 5, I called attention to this verse that uh, as it was coming up earlier on when we were talking about Job's condition, his skin condition. This chapter 7, verse 5 is the one place where Job kind of describes the, the, the misery of it. My body is covered with maggots and scabs. Job has no ability to keep the flies out of his sores that cover his body front and back from head to toe. And so he literally has maggots and scabs uh, and the skin breaks open, oozing with pus. You know, I, I know that's disgusting, but at the same time, it's just Job saying, you know, this is my life now. You know, this is my life, and all you guys can do is accuse me of sin. You know, all I really asked for was friendship, and 
and, and now you guys show up uh, with, with, with your explanations, you know. Uh, Job cries out to God again, starting in verse 6. My days fly faster than a weaver's shuttle. They end without hope. God, remember that my life is but a breath, and I will never again feel happiness. Now, that's not true, but in this moment, it feels true, and, and you can't blame Job for saying that. Uh, have you ever been so low that you can't even imagine anything getting any better? I mean, it's, it's, it's a complete collapse of hope. Hope is always just that. Hope is that belief that you know today can be terrible but tomorrow could be better and when you've lost hope that's what you've lost that even ability to imagine that it could ever be any better this is what it is it's never going to be any different than what it is uh and again he, he can't even imagine recovery or, or restoration uh, verses 9 and 10 uh, again job is talking to god and talking about human life and he says, you know, we died and we're gone forever, uh, never to come back home, never to be seen again. Um, th that's not necessarily, you know, Job saying there's there's no afterlife. Job's just speaking kind of from an under-the-sun perspective, like an Ecclesiastes, that this is what it looks like from our perspective. Our lives are short and, and you know, we live, we die, and then we never come back, you know. Again, Job's just trying to point out how insignificant we are because his point is, so God, why can't you just leave us alone? It's this perspective, and from Job's perspective, you have to grant that it feels true. It's not not the deepest truth, but it feels true that that God you know, shouldn't really be even interested. And if he's interested, it just brings you trouble. Now, I'm not speaking against God the way Job is, but I understand what Job is saying. If, if Job had read chapter one of Job with me and you, I think he'd be furious because it's like God's the one who said, hey, Satan, have you seen Job? You know, it's just like, God, don't bring me up. You know, just why don't you just not pay, you know, it'd be better if I could just slide through and you never notice me. Now, that's not true. That's not true. God's hands are full of blessings for us. But in this moment, Job just feels like, can you not just leave me alone? Can look, Just don't pay any attention to me. Leave me alone. Because again, Job's only way of understanding his predicament is, is to believe that somehow God has singled him out for suffering. Now, Job doesn't understand yet. He's about to understand several chapters from now. But, but for now, it's just like, God, what, what, is, what are people that you even bother with us. So leave us alone. You know, uh, verse 17, there's kind of the inside out, upside down quotation of Psalm 8-4, where the psalmist, you know, in majesty says, you know, what, what are human beings that you aren't mindful of us? But again, it's praising God's glory. Here, it's more, uh, you know, just affirming our smallness. What are we? You know, it's not so much, God, you're so great that you notice us. It's God, you're so great. Stop noticing us, you know. Uh, if I've sinned, what have I done to you? Again, this is Job talking to God. Why don't you leave me alone? At least leave me alone, leave me alone long enough for me to swallow my spit. <laughs> That's literally what he says in verse 19. I just want to swallow my spit. Would you just leave me alone? <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Uh, you just gotta love Job. Well, why am I your target? Why not just forgive my sin? You know, again, Job isn't saying he's not a sinner. He's just saying, what have I done to deserve this? You know, like, why can't you just forgive me? Why? Why? 
Uh, why? I, I might be dead soon enough anyway. You're going to look for me and I'll be gone, so just stop looking for me. You know, that's just Job. Leave me alone. Let me die, you, you know. So that's the end of that little speech of Job. God bless him. He, 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 he don't know, but, but you can't blame him for not knowing. It's not even knowable. These questions aren't answerable. But then chapter 8, uh, Bildad jumps in. Uh, you ever heard the old joke? You know, the shortest man in the Bible is, not Zacchaeus, it's Bildad the shoe height. Get it? Shoe height, shoe height. Uh, I, I know, y'all aren't here for the comedy. <laughs> but anyway, Bildad the shoe height, shortest man in the Bible. Bildad starts talking. Oh my goodness, we wish you wouldn't. Remember, Job has three friends, uh, you know, so-called friends. Job has three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. So Bildad chimes in now. Bildad's name means something like uh, son of shouting, you know, so it's like he's just loud and boisterous, and boy, is he ever. Uh, so he jumps in, uh, and he says, Job, how long are you going to go on like this? You're the biggest windbag I've ever seen. I mean, literally, verse 2, you sound like a blustering wind, and, you know, it's Bildad. Job, you, you old windbag, why don't you just shut up? I mean, this is Bildad now, you know? You think God twists justice? You think God's going to twist what is right? In other words, listen, God can't be unjust. So if you're suffering, obviously you deserve it. You know, this is Bildad's whole point. Get this, verse 4. Your children must have sinned against him. Their punishment was well-deserved. You know, no, he didn't. No, he didn't just say, I mean, Job's, Job lost all 10 children in one day, and that was, gosh, what, a week ago? And Bildad's like, I've been, you know, I'm just going to say what everybody wants to say. Your children had it come. I mean, he did not just say that. Yes, he did. You know, my goodness, what in the, what is dead in his heart, you know, that he would say that to a suffering man? But, but, I think it's kind of the point of, of the book of Job, the, the way in which people are so impatient with, with, with those who suffer. Like if you've lost somebody, you know, everybody's really good at the funeral and, and Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar are pretty good for the first seven days. They were good at the funeral you know, it's later when they're kind of done with it. And so they want you to be done with it. And they don't understand why you can't just move on, you know? So Bill dad, he's had seven days to process Job's loss and he's done with it. You know, he, it all makes sense to him. Your children had it coming, Job. You don't want to hear it, but somebody has got to say it. No, they don't, you, you know? Um, uh, though you started with little, uh, you will end with much. Yeah, he says, and Verse seven, basically he's saying, listen, Job, obviously you, you had this coming. So the sooner you repent of your rottenness and your sin, then the sooner God can restore your fortune. You see, Bildad is not able to give up that his, his theology, his idea of God as being reliably just. The world is perfectly ordered between you know, those who, who are righteous and those who are unrighteous, and material blessings are directly related to righteous behavior. So if you're doing well, God must be pleased with you, but if you are sitting scraping your scabs, you know, and picking out the maggots, you know, with a broken piece of pottery, then obviously God's mad at you, you know. So, you know, the sooner you repent, the sooner God will restore your material blessings. I mean, this is the simple little world that Bildad is free to live in, but Job's experience doesn't grant him that luxury anymore. 
All Job knows is the old way of explaining things won't explain my life now, but he doesn't have a new way of explaining things. And that's the nature of his suffering. Uh, Bill Dad, you know, quotes this nice little uh, practical wisdom poem that starts in verse 11, uh, basically that says, you know, man, if people who forget God, eventually their life's going to fall apart. So therefore, Job, since your life is falling apart, obviously you've forgotten God. Look, God won't reject a person of integrity. I mean, this is what Bill Dad says. I mean, he's very blunt in stating his assumptions about Job as an evildoer. You know, I mean, Job's integrity is all he's got. But Bildad says, yeah, God wouldn't be you know, smiting a person of integrity. So anyway, you know, the sooner you repent, the better off you'll be. And then you know, God will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shots of joy. Oh, you know, in these moments, Bildad speaks a truth greater than he knows because God is going to restore Job but not in the way and not for the reasons that Bildad assumes. Job's going to talk back, picking up right there in chapter 9. We'll do chapters 9 and 10 for, uh, for Monday. So there you go. We're in the book of Job, y'all. Thanks for a good week in the Word. I love you guys so much. Uh, I, I do. I love you. Thanks for your partnership in the Word and your faithfulness every single day. I love being your friend, and I love the fact that it is a Word of God that is the basis of our friendship. Have a great weekend. Uh, listen, I started a new series uh, in the pulpit at Woodburn on Sunday morning at 8, 9, 30, and 11 here at Woodburn Baptist Church. I'm starting just a verse-by-verse verse through the book of Nehemiah, uh, which you and I have done together. And so in many, many ways, you helped me study for this sermon series, which I'm excited to preach for the congregation. So anyway, join us on Sunday, either in person or here on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you find the podcast. Otherwise, I will see you Monday morning, 10 o'clock. Lord willing for Tim with Tim. Love you guys so much. Have a good weekend.